with all of the Marvel content coming out, if I ever get asked, oh, what did you think about that show or the movie? I've kind of boiled it down to like, well, if you want to watch some people punch some other people, it's great. Yeah. Show up, turn your brain off, watch some people punch some people, and <laughs> go home happy. <laughs> punch, punch, kick, kick. Pew, pew. <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, I'll take it. Welcome to episode 405 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how you doing, buddy? Marshall, I'm excited to tell you about my cool thing today. And it'll give more context about how I'm doing at this exact moment. So let's get into it. A little teaser. We'll wait for that. A little teaser. Stick around to the end to hear how Brian's tummy is feeling. Oh, okay. I've read ahead. I've Uh I've spoiled myself and I know where this is going. I Uh can't wait to hear. But until then... No spoilers. Yeah. We've got a good episode. Big outline. Let's dig in. First of all, huge shout out to our new VIPs. Very important pixels. Welcome to the fam. To Alex, Dylan, Raphael Lee, Karina Keto, and Justin Stahl. Hey, I know that last person. Hey, Justin. Hey, Justin. Yeah, welcome to the fam. Enjoy your new sidebar. Yeah. If you didn't know, we're a listener supported podcast, which means that every week, listeners like you make it possible for us to record, produce, and publish this darn thing. If you've been listening uh, for a while, or even if this is your first episode and you're enjoying the show, consider supporting us. It's on patreon.com slash design details for just a buck a month. Just a buck a month. And in return, you get access to a bonus episode every single week. We call it the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. Sidebar is like an extra listener question, extra topic, extra meaty content to uh, sate your design needs. (laughs) So if you want to hear our full backlog of sidebars every sidebar going forward and our sidebar today which is all about how to talk about work that hasn't shipped or been nda'd when you're interviewing for a job Mm. if you've ever encountered that or interested in our discussion about it head to patreon.com slash design details so thanks everyone welcome to the fam yeah let's get into it brian okay marshall main topic not one main topic this week grab bag we have been (laughs) collecting links steadily because a lot of stuff has happened in the last seven days in the design community that i'm excited to talk about yeah let's dig in first microsoft redesigned their emoji boy did they they're kind of good they're kind of like not kind of they are good kind of really good yeah all right let's get into it first off i was shocked to see that they are all 3d which means that they well i think they contracted it out but each one of these emoji is modeled textured and uh-huh. lit and a lot of them have motion so that means they were boned and skinned and animated that's so much work brian it's so much work uh-huh um yeah. mind-blowing even uh, you gotta hand it to microsoft their promotional videos their marketing content for this do we call this a sizzle reel for their emoji i don't know what the right term is here that works is top notch this this reel alone must have taken lord knows how long right? <laughs> yeah just hours and hours and it's delightful the choreography so the music the messages and, it's sending like the way it's showing off yeah. the different emoji in different ways yeah it's gorgeous which i think is cool because they've leaned into what emoji are which are shortcuts to communicating emotional 
ideas or abstract ideas, right? They're pictograms. Yeah, and they just leaned into that and the video is emotional and funny using no words, just sounds mm-hmm. and these little gosh darn emojis. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm wondering, Marshall, though, is the 3D bits are nice, but 3D is communicated through subtlety, shadow, highlights. And what I'm wondering is it's small sizes. Uh Okay, so you're on your Windows computer and you're just reading, browsing the web where people have typed emojis into, into web pages, okay? Do you get the detail? Like, will these look good in practice? What I'm worried about is these look incredible in this demo video and up close and zoomed in. Yeah, like full all, screen. All the materials, perfect. Beautiful. How will these work teensy tiny when we're texting? Good question. I think that's my main thing because if you look at Apple's emoji, they're very simple when you blow them up except for like some of the animals that were drawn a while ago. But for the most part, they're very simple. And the reason for that is because most of the time that you see them, they're like at 16, 14 point. They're real tiny. And how will all of these shadows and subtle detail that is, like you said, beautiful at large size, how will it translate down? I think that's my one thing is like, yes, they made this gorgeous emoji set and it's beautiful. And I'm very jealous of the people who got to work on it. I'm sure that was a fucking blast. But will it read? Yeah, this is the concern. And this goes back to our critique or discussion, really, about Windows 11, which was the marketing material is great, but in practice is where rubber meets the road and a lot of the design decisions do suffer fluent design is all about like nice chunky blurry glass but then you actually use it like you open your windows preferences or something and it kind of falls flat like you've been sold the storefront version and then you actually unbox it it's a little more dull than you expected it's the fast food picture it's the fast food picture yeah 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 that being said even if this doesn't read well Let's assume that there was some readability heuristic here. I love that they friggin' did the clippy emoji. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. this one's going to become the most popular emoji. Full point. Because the clipboard has freaking eyes and like clippy obviously has so much history and nostalgia and cultural context. Like it's amazing that it's held up. But what a fun decision to make. I wonder if that was controversial or if everyone just was like, yeah, of course, we should do that. Yeah, the the meme has become a thing again, and now it's like it, it's gone from stupid to ridiculous to like passe, and now back to fun ridiculous. So mm-hmm. yeah, it makes total sense. I'm not surprised that they included it, and I'm happy they did. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have a link in the show notes for anyone who hasn't seen these yet. Uh, be sure to watch the video. Video is great. Okay. Second grab bag topic. Tweet from Dieter Bone. Android 12 Beta 3 has a wild new way to handle auto-rotation. It uses face detection to match its orientation to your face so you can lie on your side and not have the phone auto-rotate when you're holding it horizontally. Uh-huh. Clever, Marshall. Yeah, clever. Why, like why three is this years not ago. the thing that everybody does? <laughs> yeah, I feel like as soon as we had Face ID, it was kind of out there in the zeitgeist of like, okay, now use that to not auto-rotate my phone. Like, you yeah. know which position my eyes are in. Like, when you as an OS get a signal that it looks like I want to rotate my phone, just flash on that Face ID, see what orientation my eyeballs are in, and if they're in the same orientation as portrait, keep a portrait. Otherwise, like, go ahead and rotate it. That doesn't seem too crazy. Why is it taking this long to do it? Or even the camera. Like, this could have happened anytime. I would be very excited for Apple to copy this in iOS 15. My concern is that it's too late. Oh, yeah, this won't be in 15. But this 
I loved this design, right? Like this is such a good way to detect user intent using the tools available to us. And it reminded me a lot of uh, how TV OS is going to support spatial audio. Right. Which is really cool, which I don't think we've talked about on the show. No, we've talked about it on the side, but yeah. Do, do you want to recap how that will work? Yeah, so uh, I've been on the spatial audio for Apple TV train for a while, but I was wondering, like, are they going to have to put a special chip in the Apple TV? How's it going to talk to my headphones? Because that's how it works with the iPhone. The iPad is like, it only works with those specific devices because they talk to each other. It knows where the device is relative to the headphones. How does that work with my Apple TV that's behind my TV? You know what I mean? And the answer is, they just make an assumption after you've been looking in a certain direction for 10 seconds or more that they just assume that's where the screen is. And they rotate the audio for that to be center. And if you move your head and look that direction for 10 seconds, you will slowly hear the audio start to pan over to make that the new center. It's great. It's smart. And it works perfectly well. It's brilliant. I mean, it seems obvious. Like I actually wonder how long it took them to figure out. Like If they had to go through the whole... All right, let's let's get a chip. Let's figure out yeah. how to like get people to put their Apple TV in front of them and put an IR like lidar on it, right? Like I wonder how far down that rabbit hole they went until someone was like, "Hold on. What if <laughs> yeah. we just detected the direction someone was looking at? What if we based just put on it them not in moving in front of their face?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. this tweet, I loved it. It reminded me of that of using maybe non-obvious heuristics to design great intuitive experiences. And for me, this rotational lock on iOS is one of the lingering paper cuts that makes iOS kind of annoying still, which is to say, I have a rotation lock on all the time. The only times I don't want it on are when I'm watching video and the OS can't detect that. So what I'm doing is I'm constantly turning it on and off, on and off, which means if I'm ever laying on the couch, laying in bed, it's always in the wrong setting and I have to go in and fix it. And then when I get up and I'm at my desk, I have to go in and undo it. And like, if it could just orient itself to my face or have a, like a media mode, right? Like auto lock for everything except if I'm playing videos and I go full screen, right? right. Or like developers can flag like, hey, this is this is meant to be a, a video watching view. Right. Yeah, but they'd still have to build it into like web video players and stuff. Because I think apps like YouTube get around this, right? Like if you full screen a YouTube, it'll spin it, right? Like they assume that you're going to watch it in landscape. Anyways, happy to see this. Can't wait for Apple to copy it. Okay, Marshall, grab bag number three. Apple has been iterating on macOS Monterey, iOS 15, iPadOS 15, RE, the new Safari tab interface. Right. Have you been following the thread on Twitter? The thread being the public conversation about how pissed off people are about the redesign. No, I mean, I've I've heard rumblings, but I don't really listen to the internet too much. So Okay. So loosely, for people who haven't seen the WWDC announcement of Monterey iOS 15, iPadOS 15, they redesigned the tab interface for Safari, and basically tabs became the URL bar. So whatever tab was focused, the tab would sort of expand in line, become the URL bar, and that allowed them to free up having sort of two vertical stacks of information, which is what we have today, the URL bar, and then your tabs. They were to unify that into one row. Make more room for the page, which is More room for the page. But then they had this trade-off. All of a sudden, tabs and URL bar sit in the same horizontal space. And so they had to figure out where they're going to put controls, like forward, back, refresh, 
share, these kinds of things. And what they've done, at least on iPadOS, it's slightly different on each platform, on iPadOS and iOS, they basically just shoved everything into a three-dot overflow. And that includes things like the refresh and share button, which is really weird. So anyways, what I wanted to talk about was they've been iterating. And we get to experience this every year. I think we've kind of covered many of these cycles on the show where the first beta comes out, you and I talk about it, and then we see the iterations. And it's actually fascinating to watch Apple respond to the feedback almost in real time, right? It's, so It's the best part of being in a beta is watching yeah, the so change fun. from build to build, yeah. So we'll have a link in the show notes, but the most recent July 14th beta 3, they split it back out. So on Monterey, you'll have the URL bar zone and then below that tabs. And the tabs have a new visual style, but honestly, if you're going to keep the layout, you might as well just keep the tab style. I don't know. (laughs) What do you think about the changes? Well, I was the biggest fan of the iOS Safari changes. I think those are the most dramatic and interesting ones. Um, I don't mind them going back. I mean, it would suck to be on the team that worked on this and like the entire reason they did all that work, the entire point of the redesign was to collapse all this stuff into one bar so that you could make more room for the web page. And this undoes all of that work. So I feel bad for whoever was on that team. Like, ah, but the point, the whole point of it was this thing. And I guess it didn't work, but and you have to listen to your users, obviously. But yeah, on Safari, I think they've actually made a huge improvement, which is to move the new tab text entry to be locked to the top of the keyboard. So you yeah, don't have to was, reach past everything. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus it felt weird that it was flying around from the bottom of the screen. Way too to much motion. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So one, this reduces that motion. And two, it puts it within reach so you can actually select stuff or move the cursor around without having to reach past the entire screen. So mm-hmm. I like that the way they've set up iOS Safari is it just makes a lot more room for the web page. And I don't have to reach very far to get to any of this stuff. Pull down to refresh is a good replacement for not having a physical refresh button. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm struggling. Like, I, Obviously, it's beta, so they're going to keep fixing bugs. I've just found websites where the pull to refresh doesn't work. Or the pull to refresh gesture does conflict with other OS elements sometimes. Like websites can tell the browser that you have the native app installed. And so your first pull down, it sort of shows that open in app banner. Right, 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 right. And then you have to pull down again to pull to refresh. I guess, I don't know, from my point of view, I feel like the changes really were fundamentally a step backwards in usability in the pursuit of simplicity. But, you know, to circle this back to our conversation about three dots and the proliferation and ubiquity of three dots now, they still feel to me symbolically like a junk drawer or an overflow, right? Like secondary actions. But in the new Safari, they're walking some of this back, but it contained everything. And on the iOS one today, it contains refresh, forward, back, like super important stuff. In order to do anything, you have to go to the three dot. And so like even primary actions in there, it just feels a little bit broken. And I guess I sympathize with maybe the, the goal here, which is, no, pull to refresh is a great interaction. Like we're so used to it in apps and everyone knows it at this point. But the problem is nobody knows it or, or nobody's used to it in the context of a browser. And so it's this new learned behavior where like, okay, if the website looks like an app, they can trick you into doing it. I think the mobile Twitter website does this well where you pull to refresh because it looks almost pixel for pixel like the app. 
But then you go to any other web page and it's not obvious at all that you should be pulling to refresh. And so I don't know, there's just there's just browser things that went away that either we'll all get used to someday in the same way that like the headphone jack went away and now you can't imagine a phone with a headphone jack. Maybe the same thing will happen here. Like, oh, remember when browsers used to have a button to refresh? Like that was weird. But the transition period is going to be painful. Yeah, I agree with that. But it's cool to see the uh, evolution as it's happening. Agreed. All right. Fourth grab bag. Marshall, this one's for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So Valve is a company that makes hardware and games. They're famous for the Half-Life series and not making a third one. So they, <laughs> they recently came out with a, a VR, I guess maybe like a year and a half ago, they came out with the Index and it was widely received as like the best VR set at the time. And I think it's still top tier. And they just announced they have basically a Nintendo Switch competitor, a handheld gaming device with a 7-inch touchscreen to play your PC games on. And it's called the Steam Deck. Uh, yeah. I have a problem with this name, Brian. Uh-huh. I like the product, but let me let me harp on the name real quick. Uh-huh. So in the gaming realm, especially in the gaming streaming realm, there is already a well-known product made by a company called Elgato named the Stream Deck got an r in there sounds a lot like steam deck but it's a stream deck uh-huh. been around for years and years and years well established well respected used by most streamers that you watch on twitch or youtube they're going to probably have a stream deck to switch around between different configurations of their music or whatever it happens to be lighting they have the thing i have one sitting here on my desk it's a well-known product why would you name it uh, like steam i get but why deck yeah you know yeah. like is it a skateboard? You know, like, uh, <laughs> why, why deck? Is it like a cyberpunk type of thing? Uh-huh. You know, I don't know. I imagine there's a lot of names they went through and that they settled on this one seems really weird, especially right. for the whole, like, Googleability of it. So, Marshall, you're CEO of Valve and you get to name this thing. What do you name it? <laughs> I saw a lot of joke names going around, like okay. Gabe Gear and Gabe Boy. <laughs> The, uh-huh. the CEO of Valve is named Gabe Newell. So, uh-huh. and everybody knows Gabe. I think he's just Gabe at valve.com and people yeah. email him all the time. Yeah. Anyways, or Gabe in, Gabe in. Anyways, yeah. So people are calling it Gabe Boy or Gabe Gear, which is a playoff of obviously the Game Boy, which is the old Nintendo handheld, uh-huh. and Game Gear, which is the Sega thing. But yeah, I don't know what the right name for this thing is, but I don't think Steam Deck is it. Here's what I would have called it, okay? You're okay, ready? hit me. Yeah, yeah. Steam buttons. Because okay. boy, oh boy, does this thing have buttons. Yeah, it's got all the buttons <laughs> and then some. Marshall, here's what I love about recording this podcast for years and years and years with you is themes we have covered a long time ago. We're seeing the evolution of those ideas happen in front of us and we get to like have these long arching feedback loops. And so I think a long, long time ago, we were talking about the evolution of game controllers and we talked about how it went from well, I guess zero buttons, like a joystick to a joystick with two buttons, and then on and on, then we got to the PlayStation. This is even more. I There are... You counting them? Oh, my God. There's like 30 input mechanisms. Not even kidding. Probably maybe 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's a D-pad, two sticks, ABXY, two touch pads. There's four OS-level buttons. There's back paddles, there's shoulder buttons, and two triggers. Two shoulders each side, four back, customizable. The sticks click down for L3 and R3. There's a gyroscope. Yeah, there's yeah six axis. Yeah, they, it, there's everything. And it's a touchscreen. So like, t- <laughs> is it a touchscreen? Yeah, it's a touchscreen, right? It's got to be, yeah. 
It's crazy. And here's the thing is like three of those buttons, one of them is a three dot. Uh-huh. So here we go. Three dot tie-in. Another one is a hamburger. And then another one is just the word steam. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, each of those buttons, there has to be a reason these things exist and they all do different things. But it's very confusing. Oh, shit. No, you should have pressed the three dot instead of the hamburger. It's like, I don't know. Are people going to get this? And it just reminds me like, okay, one of them is technically called menu. The hamburger is the menu button. Then there's a steam button. It's like, I don't know. Why don't you just make the menu button like have an option to go to the steam store? Steam has a logo. They could have put the logo on there. Like. They didn't have to say yeah. Steam. Yeah. It's just like, imagine imagine if your iPhone, imagine if your iPhone, okay, you got the mute lock switch, mm-hmm. you got volume up, you've got volume down, and then below that, there's another button that goes opens the app store, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. This is a bad design. <laughs> we shouldn't have this. I feel like they just went a little bit overboard here on buttons. I'm sure it will improve metrics to have the Steam store be one <laughs> click away. If I know, my I know. unplayed gaming library is any indication, yeah. this is a moneymaker. So uh-huh. yeah. I understand why the button is there. But yeah, lots of buttons on here. But I think there's some really interesting choices. Like those paddles in the back are customizable. You can you can map those to whatever button you want to, which will be super useful for games where you need to keep your thumbs on the joysticks so that you can reload or jump or crouch, whatever, without taking your right thumb off of the camera. Right, stick. right. Another thing that's interesting about this is they put the ABXY in line just to the right of the right thumbstick instead of most times where it's either above or below. Uh-huh. And that transition usually sucks. I'm curious to see how this will work with everything being top aligned, which I think will probably be better ergonomically for where your thumbs fall on the device compared to like the switch where the left stick is like in the middle and the right stick is at the top. I also don't like the Xbox controllers where they're staggered, one's up and one's down. I like PlayStation where they're even and symmetrical like this. So I'm curious to see how this plays. This feels a lot like the Wii U controller, if you yeah. remember that. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I don't need this. I won't get it. But I it makes me excited either. because I do have a Switch. And the Switch is a very cool device. Oh, yeah. And this is that plus plus. Obviously, lacking the, the Nintendo titles. Yeah. But having access to the Steam library is pretty insane. This is a PC. PC Switch. A PC Switch. It's very compelling. Yeah, I would get one if I had. Oh, and here's the other thing. It starts at $399, Brian. $400 is so cheap for something Here, like this. Here's what I bet happened. The pricing department was like, it has to be 500 bucks. And then somebody came along and said, I bet we can make it cheaper if we put this button on it. And the button says <laughs> Steam and it opens a Steam store. And if we yeah. convert this much in sales, yeah. it will offset whatever we're losing on the hardware. Hmm. Three ninety nine is ridiculously cheap. So cheap, yeah, and it tops out at six fifty or something like that. Yeah. Like the, the the heaviest configuration you could buy is six fifty, which is in line with a console. Like the only way the price would make sense is if you hold this and the hand feel sucks. Like if all the components are really cheap, flimsy plastic, which it's hard to say. Like the marketing materials, it looks kind of sturdy. It looks kind of nice to touch, but if it comes back and it's shitty, then it's like oh, okay, three ninety nine. Sure, that's that's a console, right? Well. Valve has made a controller before called the Steam Controller, and it was super hyped up when it was announced, and then it came out and nobody used it, and it's mm. like a, a dead thing now. So, Uh-oh. Uh, but that, I mean, the Steam Controller kind of felt a little bit cheap, if I'm being honest, yeah. and I like Valve, so. 
Cool. Well, exciting things. Lots of nice tie-ins to past conversations and episodes. Uh, links to all of the the grab bag stuff in the show notes. Should we get into cool things? I feel like we already did a cool things with that, but yeah. This, is, this was just it. a big cool things episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about you go first? All right, I'll go first. So I have been learning a new language, Brian. I've been taking Japanese and I've been doing it through a little app on my iPhone called Duolingo. I'm sure you have heard of it. Both you and the listeners have heard of Duolingo. This is not a new thing, but I haven't used it in a while. And uh, I tried to learn Japanese like three different times and always failed like halfway through Katakana. And and uh, this most recent time I started during the week that we had off. I was like, I'm going to learn Swift and I'm going to learn Japanese. Turns out that was a bad idea. But <laughs> I, 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 I one, Marshall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But this experience has been really great going through it. So I've made my way all the way through unit one and past the first checkpoint into like the second sections, which is farther than I've ever gotten before. And I think it's a testament to how fucking good Duolingo is. Um, mm. I've only been using it for the past 16 days, right? But I've kept my streaks. They've gamified a lot of things. I'll talk about that in a sec. But like they, I've kept my streak for 16 straight days and it's encouraged me to do so. And I actually helped me when I missed a day. But in that time, I've learned like 250 words. And the ways that I've learned are really varied, right? The way they allow you to absorb these things, they come at it from all these different angles. And they make it fun. And and they gamify stuff. So like there's, like I said, the streak. They have leaderboards with people that are at a similar learning level that you are. And, and weekly, there are these kind of lightning rounds where you earn points. And the people who are at the top of that get carried on from the bronze level to the silver level and gold and on the way up. When you get to the end of a section and you've learned, you know, one circle within that kind of tree interface, you can choose to become legendary and do a harder version uh-huh. of all the stuff that you've been learning. But oh, then, okay. it, you know, it's kind of like beating the boss at the end of a level and it turns it purple, from, like from gold, which is great and feels good to like this purple and it yeah. sparkles. And after a little while, those circles will crack. So you still have learned them and they're still at their highest oh. level, but it's like, hey, you need to go back and practice this and you go back and do one practice round and it, and it mends them and sets it back to normal. It is excellent, man. I, I could not recommend it more. I'm sure you've heard of the app. So like this is like uh-huh. a, a recommending yep. fucking Squarespace or Audible. You've heard of it, but just a further testament. This thing is damn good. And I feel like I've learned a lot from something that I have failed at learning before. So Duolingo. That's awesome. I mean, at this point, it's a video game, right? Like. They have to have all of the mechanics there of the progression has to feel challenging but achievable. And there has to be like enough dopamine hits regularly spaced out. And like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, dude. It feels like right around the time they think you're going to quit. Because every time I'm about to put down my phone after a lesson, they hit me with a, hey, for the next 15 minutes, you got 2x XP, right? (laughs) So whatever XP you earn is doubled. So I'm like, okay, I'll do another 15 minutes, right? Similarly, you earn crowns when you reach new levels in each of those circles, and then you earn points, and you can spend those points either on like freezes so that if you miss a day, it will keep your streak going, or you can buy outfits for the Duolingo bird. Duo, I think is his name. You can buy different outfits for him. So I have a fucking tracksuit for the guy. (laughs) Um, Free will doesn't exist, Marshall. We (laughs) We are but puppets to the pixels on our screen. Yeah. But I mean, it, it works, man. I'm learning and I it's on my home screen and I go back to it every single day. So they're doing something right. That's awesome. Keep it up. Yeah. Thank you. What's your cool thing? Marshall, I love the YouTube show Hot Ones. Mm-hmm. I just I get hungry every time I watch that show. 
And I've always wondered if I can make it through. Oh, yeah. Me too, man. I wonder about my own metal. And I yeah. think for sure I would fail. I would like DJ Khaled it. I would like probably have to bow out after like number five or something. He bowed out at three or four, right? He was pretty early. Yeah, I'd be pathetic, I think. I don't think I'd be able to handle it. But you're better than I am, so. Yeah, I am. I struggled. Let's just cut to the chase. I took the Hot Ones Challenge tonight. I, I didn't, or I guess I knew you could do this. I went on and I just was like, fuck it. It's about time. I'll have a link in the show notes, but you can just buy the season 15 10 pack. So I bought the seasons pack, cooked up some hot wings or chicken wings in the oven tonight and just went one by one down the line, dabbing a little on, on the wing and eating it. And I'll say this, if I ever get to go on the show, which by the way, will never happen, but would be so cool. Um, I would make it till seven. Right. Okay. Okay. Here's the weird thing though. At seven, my mouth was on fire to the point where like, I didn't want to keep going. But I waited a while. And then 8, 9, and 10, not that bad. Even the last dab, not that bad. There was something about, and I'm not even talking about um, the bomb. It was the one before the bomb that kicked okay. my ass. Um, the bomb is usually number eight. And usually that's the one that I would, I would. Yeah. everybody says tastes terrible. I think I would dread that one. Well, here's the thing. They've redesigned it. So what comes in this pack, it's called the bomb evolution. And what they have on the show is called the bomb total insanity or something like that. So anyways, I think I think what they're selling is a better tasting version of the bomb. Okay. It wasn't bad. Yeah, I've heard it compared to like a tire fire and other yeah. similarly not palatable things. This one, different bottle shape. I feel like they're trying to not totally destroy their brand. Like on the show, everyone knows that one is the one that gets you. But in the marketplace, I think they're actually trying to give you something that you'll eat. Anyways, I did that. My belly is feeling... Okay, I'll keep you posted. I'm just happy you didn't get a chronic case of the hiccups or something, because that can happen, and that would have been bad for this episode. <laughs> Marshall, I have to record tomorrow. <laughs> I have the hiccups from eating hot sauce. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I will say now my refrigerator has at least 15 bottles of hot sauce in it, because I'm a hot sauce hoarder, and so these will last a long time. But all of them, individually, delicious so i don't regret the purchase well if you want to knock some of them down a little bit in the level department bring them over i'm sure virginia will help you kill them dude let's do a wing night let's bake some wings at your place and i'll bring all (sighs) 10 down and you and me virginia effie we can all have a hot ones challenge yeah i've always wanted to try it so we'll see okay okay here's the thing i you say that you wouldn't make it past seven i think if you had cameras on you and you had sean in front of you a hundred percent through yeah yeah. i guess what i meant to say is at seven i'm like this would be the logical place where i wouldn't want to keep going and eating anymore left to my own devices like past this point i'm no longer enjoying the spice right yeah but yes yes cameras on you of course you're gonna push through you don't want to check it out yeah you don't want that on the internet for all time Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah Hopefully you're being distracted by questions and stuff. That's what I was going to ask you too. Is like, did you have Effie write a bunch of questions for you and film it? No, that would have been a good idea. No, we were watching a TV show together. And honestly, I like wasn't even paying attention to the TV show because it was just like on fire. Anyways, Hot Ones Challenge. Brave man. Let's do it. Okay. Link in the show notes for anyone else who wants to try it. It's expensive, but you get 10 bottles of hot sauce. So sure. Well, cool thing, Brian. All right. Well, this has been episode 405 of the Design Details Podcast. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter, as always, at Design Details FM. If you enjoyed the show, consider supporting us. We're on patreon.com slash design details. You can uh, catch our bonus episode this week in the sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. This week, we're talking about how to handle the interview process when you have a lot of work that never shipped or you have a lot of work that's locked behind an NDA. This is a listener question. So we're going to dive into that. 
So if you want to hear that, plus our whole backlog of sidebars and get bonus episodes going forward every single week, consider supporting us. Patreon.com slash design details. It's just a Pokemon. It's just a Pokemon. All right. Catch you next week. Bye. like i'm gonna learn swift and i'm gonna learn japanese turns out that was a bad idea but i take one marshall (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. um i had trouble speaking english like when i came back to work the next week because my mind was all jumbled with japanese and swift let hello equals true Uh (laughs) let konichiwa equal hello yeah